Hold up, hold up. Before we start, I want to ask the two of you a question. What up? If you if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? I don't know why I was thinking about that today, but I was, and I was talking to a coworker asked me that, and I was like, damn. So now I'm asking you guys, what would it be? Uh, probably um pizza, pepperoni pizza. Really? Yeah, I love that shit. Damn. Yeah, that's fair. Is Dylan just not here? Uh, salads oh, are he pretty versatile. Oh, shit. Yeah, salads are real fucking good, man. Salads are underrated, to be honest with you. They really are. They, like, <clears throat> I used to not like them at all until I was, like, 18, 19, and now I'm like, damn, sometimes this shit hits the spot sometimes. Yeah, for real. Uh-huh. Just fucking hits. So you guys were thinking more practical things. I was just thinking about shit that, like, I really liked. Mm-hmm. And I would probably say crab legs. I could eat that shit all fucking day. Every day. Uh, I fucking love crab. I feel like that's... Greatest thing in the world. Gonna get real boring after a while. Yeah, it's probably not that good for you either to eat, to eat crab like that, I would imagine. I'm sure you would start smelling like a crab after a while. Probably. God Dude, damn, it'd be good though. Fucking imagine having to eat pizza for the rest of your life. That's true. Your Not breath, only I would mean, I like die of like like a heart pepperoni. attack. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say it wouldn't be a long life. <laughs> it would not be at all. Just you might last like another four years tops. The cheese would either keep me constipated or would make me blow out my asshole like every day. And then yeah, the red peppered meat would cause my heart to explode. Oh yeah, for sure. Now my my coworker asked me that today, and I I said crab legs, and I was like, God damn, now I really want some fucking crab legs. So next week I'm gonna go pick up a fucking uh, outside like broiler, so I can start broiling some fucking seafood. Well, damn, get it, homie. That shit sounds tasty. Was that good? Was that all right? I backed up. I backed away. Oh, I, I turned my headset all the way down. So I, don't I oh, really expected it. Sabrina heard you from 16 feet away. So <laughs> did she? Yeah. Damn. I like my headset. God damn. I literally stepped away and got in the corner of my office and then was like, all right, I'll yell. Kayla's upstairs like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I don't think she's home yet. But uh, anyway, yeah, welcome everybody. You're listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of culture. Bop. Uh, Can I ask you something? As you, what? What? What was that? What happens when you decide to deviate into another podcast of like, mm, we'll say movies. All right, mm-hmm. we'll say movies. And then when you go to do the hunting pixels, you know, instead it's like hunting film or some shit. <laughs> and then what happens then? Because you start our podcast off by saying you are listening to the one and only official. Well, you do say video game podcast, but you do say one and only in the intro. Mm-hmm. So are you going to change our intro up? 
to not say that anymore? Um, How heartbreaking that would be after 16 years of service, you changed the intro? (laughs) Well, I don't plan on changing it anytime soon, so uh, you don't have to worry about that, I don't think. Okay, just speculation. Yeah. We're just just scared of change. (laughs) As, As most people are. I think I read, I actually read that somewhere where like some, like the biggest fear of humanity is actually change, not like death or like bodily harm. Oh, I would I love to take this survey. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, I, as everyone can tell from the intro that has gone completely off the rails today, we have a show for you. That That is really? certain. Uh, this topic has been a long time coming. We've had this in the docket for, I feel like three weeks at this point. Um, but we're going to be talking a lot about video game adaptations. Uh, you know, so movies and games and games as movies. Um, we'll also have our picks of the week. I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Man. Josh McMullen, and I am joined once again by my two co-hosts, Austin Strict to Video Stevens and Dylan, and original limited series Martin. <laughs> How's it going, fellas? I hate that you laugh at your own jokes. I, <laughs> I fucking hate it too. Uh, so I fucking hate it too. Austin brings his weeb friend in here one day, and he is a huge Cowboy Bebop fan. And his name is BebopMan697. And then you start the podcast off by saying the one and only <laughs> BebopMan. But in fact, because of the guest's username being BebopMan697, are you going to change the intro for that? Did uh, your biggest fear change? No, it's actually the inevitability of ceasing to have consciousness. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. a yeah, that's, that's a rough one. That's that's probably my biggest fear as well. I think about that all the time, honestly. I do too. While driving to work, falling asleep in the shower, <laughs> playing video games. Yep. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> while asleep, which is really ironic. <laughs> uh, to to answer your question, no, because I am the one and only Bebop man. Okay. Well, I can it, handle that. That's not changing then. Yeah. Anyone else is just a fucking poser. You're like the real Slim Shady and you're always standing up. It's true. It is true. I got you. Um, well, you know, it's been a while. How are you guys? Uh, I'm all right. Kind of looking forward to that inevitability that we were just talking about. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Honestly. I mean... No point in being scared of it. You can't control it, you know? You can't control it. That is true. It's just kind Does of it mean I want it to happen? <sighs> yeah. Oh, well, no. Nobody fucking yeah. wants to, but you got it's kinda, it at some point. kind of terrifying to think about. about it until it happens. I don't know. Maybe in our lifetime we'll figure it out and we'll fix it. Who knows? No, it's going to happen two and a half months later after I die. Probably. That sounds like something that would happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that God. sounds accurate. Yeah. It's pretty great. No, it's a good man. A lot of work, a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that. Uh, actually, the reason that we've had to delay is because of work and uh, me. Uh, I have been moving. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it fucking sucks, man. 
Moving is the worst. I fucking hate moving. It's awful. Um, so bad. But, uh, I mean, it honestly, it could be worse. It, I could have moved this entire house by myself. <laughs> Any? You? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, just I, moving to I, the I streets did. Too. At least you have a house to move into. Yeah. That, oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> I don't, I, That's a fair yeah. point. I don't even want to think about that, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> God, it could happen. It could happen, man. It's gonna be it could weird be like having to edit out all the cars passing by if you ever get kicked out of your house. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to use my phone as a hotspot, <laughs> or like go into the, like the McDonald's like Wi-Fi or yeah. whatever. Oh man! I don't know. McDonald's, you only get thirty minutes. <laughs> really? That's fucking yeah. weird. I'll just keep buying fucking food that's just one meal a day. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it'll actually like kick you off, but I'm, every McDonald's around here does have a sign that says thirty minutes. Oh. Yeah. Use a VPN. Yeah, exactly. Just change shit up. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, well, outside of moving, uh, I got to a little movie this week called Garden State. Um, are you Are you guys aware of this movie? Nope. Just like most uh, of the movies you talk only about, only no. The Empire State. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, well, I I assumed that Dylan would have seen this one, but I, I knew that you, you wouldn't have. That Austin. I watched something. <laughs> well, I I this seems like a movie that would be right up your alley. Oh no! Why do you assume I wouldn't have watched it? Uh, because you don't watch anything other than anime and porn. Well, That's super true. That's fair. It's <laughs> together. Um, Two thousand. Oh, this is an old movie. Yeah, this is an old movie. Oh, no, because I hate Zach Braff, so any time that I... Oh, what? Really? I don't like his face. I don't like his face. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that'll keep you from watching a movie, huh? Yeah, that's why I don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah, I forgot you hate Andy Samberg. Yep. <sighs> Man. I know. Why it's, do you hate Andy Samberg life. again? His face. I don't like his it. face. Just... Something about it just throws you off. Yep. There's That's a fair. subreddit called Punchable Faces, and if I could post one picture, it'd probably be him or Zach Braff. <laughs> Is it the big noses? No, I don't think so. I'm cool with big noses. Okay. Yeah. I just don't. I want just. To. I just noticed like that they both have. Person, I would have a physical altercation. Oh, oh my. Yep. I have a I have like a weird thing like that with like a, a I hope you get them hands. on the podcast one day. People's aunts, their hands. Oh shit! If, I was like, that's if your a hands really are like family member, if, <laughs> if someone's hands are like unproportionate, it freaks me out. And I, I'm not gonna shake your hand. I'm not gonna give you a high five. I don't. Do you have a dainty little bitch handshake. Yeah, he does. I don't think. So. Oh, no. I have never shook your hand, so I don't know how you would know that. Uh, that's how I know because you've never shaken my hand. Well, maybe Damn. you're just not worth me shaking. Oh, okay. Let's say worth me shaking because that implies. Oh, no, I was talking about jerking off. Mm. I was talking right. about hand jobs. So. so how's the Garden State? <laughs> All right. So uh, Garden State is a movie from 2004 starring, written by, and directed by Zach Braff. Um, yeah. So I remember watching this movie in must have been high school. If it wasn't in high school, it was like after I had graduated. 
and I remembered loving it. I remembered really, really liking it. And, um, I still really, really like it. Uh, I don't think that it is as good as I remember it being, but it is still a really solid little flick. Um, so basically, uh, Zach Braff is this struggling young actor who has to, uh, fly home because his mother has died. And, uh, did someone just hiccup or? No, it's fine. Oh, okay. Uh, but so he has to, he has to drive back home to New Jersey, um, to, um, to go to his mother's funeral. <coughs> Excuse me. And while he is there, he meets up with this girl named Sam, who is played by Natalie Portman, who is this really eccentric girl. Uh, she, if, if you guys are familiar with the manic pixie dream girl, uh, sort of cliche or whatever, um, her character kind of spawned that whole thing. Um, I'm really interested about hearing more about that. Okay. So what does that even mean? You you don't know what Manic Pixie Dream Girl is? Do I need to Google this or am I gonna get like a fetish? Uh I don't think you will get a fetish. <laughs> okay. I don't know, there's a fetish for everything. Oh it's the style. Oh, okay. It's it's the fucking Scott Pilgrim shit. Uh, That's what I, I wouldn't call it that. Okay. It's read the Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You, you do that while I continue on. Uh, okay. anyway, so he goes, he goes back home, he meets her and he meets up with some old school friends and he kind of goes on this sort of like transformation, um, from this depressed sort of like overly medicated, um, kid to a guy who is able to kind of like talk about his feelings and stuff like that. Um, so <sighs> the movie itself kind of the, the plot, right. Is very, um, uh, I guess like slice of life, like they, it, there's not really a whole lot of a plot to it. Like he just kind of comes home and then like meets this girl. And then it's like just a collection of scenes that kind of eventually lead somewhere, but there's no real overarching plot, I would say. And it's kind of a tone piece so like it again it doesn't really have a, like a plot but like it kind of like just centers on this this tone and i think a lot of what it's trying to say is like you know obviously he is over medicated uh and you see it at the beginning of the movie like he has a cabinet full of like uh it's like percocet zoloft and like something else i don't remember the exact pills but it's like three specific ones and uh, one of them is uh, uh the last one i think is lithium i i could be wrong but um anyway so he's on these like antidepressants or whatever and um 
throughout the course, because he, he gets off of them and through the course of like meeting all these people, he kind of learns to like grow and like experience life or whatever. But, um, I feel like that, uh, numbness that comes from the pills is actually a sort of like, I don't want to say metaphor, but like when you look at the way that each of these people that he meets, how they are living with, within their familial structures, it kind of takes on the echoes of like what parenting can do to you. So like, for instance, so Zach Braff, the reason that he is, uh, medicated and stuff like that is because his father is his psychiatrist. And when he was nine years old, he accidentally paralyzed his mother. And, uh, like from then on, he was sent to boarding school and like was put on all these pills because he was quote unquote depressed or whatever. But then you look at like Peter, Peter Sarsgaard's character and he's this guy who's still living with his mom and they like party together and like smoke pot together and like he steals jewelry from the people that he buries like he's a grave digger and like you look at all of the or oh you look at Natalie Portman's character too and like she is kind of raised within a family that is very loving and very caring and stuff like that. And each of their personalities is very different. And like the people who are heavily merit, uh, medicated don't really have like any sort of like thoughtful parenting put into them. If that makes sense. Um, I, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but Anyway, so I, I really feel like this movie is kind of like a look at that, at least, you know, from from my um, my watching. <clears throat> That's what I got from it. But um, I think it's really directed really well. Like Zach Braff actually is, I think, a very talented director. Uh, there's a lot of like really awesome stuff like the the production design in this is great. I think that the cinematography is pretty good. It kind of gives like New Jersey, this sort of like homely feel, I guess. Uh, and I, I think that there are some really, really fucking funny jokes in here, like visual gags. Um, the acting is really good. Natalie Portman is like fan fucking tastic in this. Peter Sarsgaard is probably the best part of the movie. Um, like he is just astoundingly good. Uh, who, who is the, um, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, and Dowd. She's, uh, if you guys watch, um, uh, um, oh my God, what's the name of that show? Handmaid's Tale. She's in that. She was also in like, uh, Hereditary. Um, she's in a ton of things. She's a really great character actress. She's great in this. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a really solid movie. Uh, and it's punctuated by this incredible soundtrack. Like this is maybe my favorite soundtrack of all time. Like I fucking love this shit. It's so, so good. It won a Grammy. Like, um, yeah, it, if you haven't seen it, it's on Hulu and it's, it's worth the watch. Oh, yeah. 
I so, hated myself. Now I understand. You know what a you know what a manic pixie dream girl is now. Yeah, the opposite of what happens in uh, Eternal Sunshine. <laughs> it's really weird to me that that term was coined be- apparently because of uh, Kirsten Dunst. That's very strange to me. Yeah, from uh, Elizabeth Town, right? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Is she even relevant anymore? Like, does she even do anything? I, you know, you bring that up. I haven't thought about her in anything oh, since Melancholia, which was 2011. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've seen her in anything ever except for the Sam Raimi trilogy. And that's literally it. Oh, hmm. I don't think I've seen a single other movie that bitch has been a part of. Don't. It's fine. No. What? What, Dylan? What? (sighs) (laughs) All right. Well, Dylan, you've you've been playing video games and working. Yeah. You skipped Austin. Uh, well, I'm coming back to Austin. I like to, I like to switch I things up. You go ahead. I thought he got in trouble and you were like, yeah, you don't get time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Um, no, he's not in timeout. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, no, that's what it is. I work a lot and then I play some video games and that's been my past two months. Um, Damn. Yeah, I know. I'll talk about one in particular at the end of the show. But FIFA one singular game, I, I really because um, that's the only one. I mean, I have a long synopsis for it. Yeah, but I got three months of Game Pass for a dollar, so that was pretty sick. Game Pass Ultimate. Um, I would say that's been life changing, but literally, I've only been playing FIFA with it. So there's that. Mm. And Overwatch. I've started playing Overwatch with um, Justin from work, Josh, and Dion's gonna hop in on Friday, but. That's been my life here for a little bit. Still waiting on some Overwatch 2 news, but BlizzCon got canceled. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. I did see that. That was very unfortunate. It's wild. I I was waiting to hear anything from any Blizzard IP. Um, Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, whatever's next for World of Warcraft. I don't care. I was just looking forward to anything. And then Diablo 2, actually. I forgot about that. But um, my life has consisted of a little bit of everything in terms of gaming. I've actually been getting not a lot done, but a lot played. Mm-hmm. Like, I've not been able to finish one singular game, but I've played a shit ton of them. So that's good. It's kind of like what we were talking about last time, letting my ADHD take over and just play whatever the fuck I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, Pokemon. That whole Sometimes thing. that can be a good thing. It can be. It feels good. Um and then Biomutant, which is the game that I'll talk about at the end. It's something else. I don't know if you guys have been watching it or not, but yeah, I've been I've been watching. I've been looking into it because it it looks pretty interesting. I've read some reviews, but I haven't. Uh, it was not a game that was ever on my radar. This is a game that's been on my radar for two years, so I was very very excited for it. And you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. So. Austin. Yeah, um, I literally have not been doing anything except for uh, trying to get better at a new TCG. And that is the new Digimon TCG. That's kind of literally all I've been doing. Um, <clears throat> I I finally, uh, well, not yet. They should be coming in either. Shit, they actually might have came in today. I don't know. Uh, there wasn't any tracking attached to that order. But uh, I 
but by the end of the week, I'll, I'll have like an actual like competitive level deck finished, and I am going to go to my first locals Monday night, and I'm really excited. I have been testing the same deck on simulators online, and so far, I'm I mean I'm 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 taking a W on like 75% of all of my, all my matches. I, I would say roughly three three out of every four matches I I, I win. So I'm. I'm pretty hyped about that. Uh, I found a cool YouTube channel called a uh, Card Protagonist that like uh, it, it, super fucking lame and corny, but I think shit like that is interesting. Um, they it's just two people playing the game against each other, and they have like sound effects and like uh, cool little like CGI sequences thrown in. Like there's a lot of like production effort thrown into that, and that has actually more than anything helped me learn how to play the game. Um, because I'm, I'm not very good at just, like, reading rule books and being like, oh, yeah, that's how you do it. Like, I have to physically watch somebody play to pick up on stuff. Um, but I've been doing that. Uh, I've been getting better. My buddy David's coming over this weekend to play test with me. And uh, it should be fun. I don't know how I'm going to do. Uh, I Like, I think Monday nights at Galactic Quest by my house, they... Uh, uh, it's not like, like there's no prizes or anything. It's, it's more just like casual, like getting to know each other and playing and getting to know, know the community and stuff. Uh, and then the last Saturday of every month, uh, they actually have like a $20 paid entry tournament where winner takes home two booster boxes. So, um, I'm sure I'm going to get my ass creamed when it comes to that because I, I am, I am still very new. Um, that was kind of my problem back in, uh, 2019. When I got back, when I was playing uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! competitively and I started going to tournaments again, it's not that I was bad and didn't know what I was doing. It's the fact that uh, as an adult, I developed social anxiety that I didn't have when I was in high school playing. And so going back to some of these tournaments and like meeting these people and like getting nervous, I tend to, I, I, I started misplaying a lot. So that was really fucking me. So I'm really hoping I can kind of get my shit together and not do that. That's why I'm excited to go to locals. I can kind of meet all the guys that I'll be playing with and, and kind of get to know them and maybe not be uh, uncomfortable slime the whole fucking time. So I, I'm really excited. I'm having a lot of fun with this fucking game, and I'm super stoked about it. How many people actually go to those for that particular card game? Um, I mean, I don't know. I've never been up there. Uh, I've seen pictures on their Facebook group, and, I mean, the store's pretty packed out. So I don't know. That's crazy. It's a relatively new game. It just came out in, like, February. So there, I'm sure there's probably not... I'm sure not everybody that goes there has picked up on it, but... I don't know I don't if know. Digimon is still relevant enough to have a TCG behind it just coming out brand new. Like, that's so weird to me. I just never see anything about it. I don't know, but as of right now, it's the second fastest-selling TCG this year. Oh, I'm behind sure Pokemon. Everyone's, yeah, fucking buying cards that's all i see on tiktok scrolling through every live feed that i can yeah is someone opening pokemon i luckily that shit seems to be kind of coming to a halt uh scalping is kind of getting a little better prices or markets are starting to go down a little bit but i hope man yeah i it, it's get, it's slowly getting better like um I know, uh, Josh, the, the anime store by, by your new house, mm-hmm. uh, I, last time I was in there, they they had so much Pokemon shit. So fucking much. Uh, I, yeah, I was in there uh, like three or four days ago, and they had some um, some of the 
uh, God, what do you call them? Like the decks or whatever? Yeah, like the structure decks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that store does price kind of odd, though. I don't know how I feel about the way they do their shit. But um, I do know that distribut- that a lot of distributors are actually starting to raise their prices, raising their wholesale prices. So some of these stores genuinely do have to start charging more to be able to even make a small profit off of it. But their pricing on TCG is weird. Magic is unaffected because for some reason... I, like, I, I always see a lot of people at, like, comic book shops playing Magic, but that shit is everywhere. You never have an issue if you want to play Magic, and I don't understand why. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't know why that shit's not selling as hot as everything else. Huh? But, yeah. Maybe it's just got so many players that are... I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not even going to speculate. <laughs> uh, all right. I... The last thing I watched... Promising Young Woman. Um, so, have you guys heard about this movie? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so, Promising uh, Promising Young Woman is probably my favorite movie of last year. Um, it is uh, a sort of uh, rape revenge black comedy i mean that that's maybe the the best way to describe it but it's uh so it stars kelly uh carrie mulligan uh and basically uh if you watch the trailer this is kind of like what the the gist of the movie is about uh it's about this woman who will, you know, work in the day at like a a shitty job or whatever. And then at night she goes out and pretends to be like an obscenely drunk woman and lures these men into kind of trying to take advantage of her. Yeah. And then when they do, she kind of gotchas them and is like, uh, listen, actually I'm not drunk and you're being a complete and utter pig and, uh, fuck you. Like stop, stop doing this sort of thing. Like stop preying on women. Yeah. And, um, so that's kind of like the, I, I guess like the premise of the movie, um, like she's, she's doing this sort of thing. Uh, and it stems from her friend having been, um, raped while she was at college. Uh, and, uh, so she does this as a way to sort of like, um, uh, I, I don't want to say get back cause that's not really the right, like phrasing, but, uh, to, to more or less try to like get back at, at the whole, men who, who provided this thing. And so then she is introduced to this guy who had gone to school with her and he, um, uh, he kind of comes in and is like, Hey, I I, I went to school with you. Don't you remember me or whatever? And then he, is like, Hey, do you want to go on a date? Blah, blah, blah. And finally she, she gives in. And so she gives in and they start, you know, dating or whatever. And then he brings up 
the name of this guy who was actually the guy who is responsible for her friend's, uh, you know, incident. Mm-hmm. And so then she kind of launches on this sort of, uh, revenge plot, I guess is, is the best way to put, to put it. Um, <clears throat> and from there, you know, like th- things ensue. Uh, but so the movie is awesome. I really fucking love this movie, man. Like it is the, the plot when you, when you get down to like the nuts and bolts of it, the plot is very, I feel like on the nose, right? It's written to where it's like almost, I I don't want to say like, it's like beating its message into your head sort of because I don't, I don't think it's really doing that. I don't think it's trying to be overly like in your face, but also it, it it kind of is like, it's kind of being like, look, this is what rape culture is. Look, you know, this is kind of what uh, women have to deal with. Look, here's all the systems in place that prevent anything from, from being, you know, um, uh, acted upon. Right. But underneath the surface of that is this sort of like, look at not judging books by its cover, And also like not letting grief consume you and, uh, and stuff like that. And it really, really kind of hammers that stuff home in a way that I kind of wasn't expecting. And it even comes down to stuff like with the, with the direction where like you see like, um, the, the boy that, uh, the friends that, that her love interest is talking about are played by these actors who are really well known for their like super likable roles. Like the guy who plays Schmidt is, uh, from new girl, uh, Max Greenfield, I think is his name. Uh, he plays the, one of the guys who was at the, at the party where her friend was, uh, you know, sexually assaulted. And then the guy who actually committed it, um, let me see what his name is. He's from, uh, he's from glow, uh, the, the female wrestling show. That's super fucking awesome and super underrated. You guys should watch it. Um, what is his fucking name? Um, Oh God, come on. Uh, it is Chris Lowell Lowell. I don't know. Uh, but he, he's in glow. He was also in like the help and up in the air. Like he's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, but he, he's a very like likable dude and he is, you know, responsible for committing this atrocity in this movie. Right. And she kind of plays like a lot of people against type, like, and it really hammers home the, uh, the themes of like not judging a book by its cover. And like, I, I don't know, man, like, I think it's uh, like that stuff is really good. And then you take into consideration, like there's a bunch of stuff with like the colors and like the, the sort of imagery that is used. Like there's a lot of stuff with Carrie Mulligan's character who she's like framed with like halos, like from, from lighting fixtures or from like, 
like a little like circular like wall designs or like there's one scene where she's in bed and like she's sitting on the bed and the way that the uh, the headboard is framed behind her it looks like she has angel wings and so like she is doing this righteous thing but it also is framed in the context of like she's doing something that is quote unquote ruining these men's lives sort of thing. Like it, I, I don't know, man, like everything about this fucking movie is great to me. I like, I don't know, man, I love it. I, I think this movie is excellent from, from beginning to end. It is insanely fucking funny, but in like the darkest possible sense and it's also like creepy as shit and like scary there. And there's, there's one scene in particular near the end of the movie that like was fucking hard to sit through, like incredibly fucking hard to sit through. Yeah. And oh. I, I don't know. I, I know that this movie could probably be, um, like some sort of trigger for somebody out there. Like, but I think that this movie is fucking excellent. And I think that everybody should see it. Yeah. You started talking about it and I looked it up and I actually have seen that movie. Oh yeah. And I do think it's a very good movie. The only reason we saw it at first was because Madison is fucking obsessed with Bo Burnham and has been ever since I met her and he's in the movie. So we watched it. Yeah, I I kept his name out in particular because I didn't want to kind of give anything away. But yeah, he's he's the love interest in this movie, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna say anymore. <laughs> anyway, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah, his new stand up special was really funny. Oh yeah, I forgot that he had a new one out. I'll have to check that out. I love his stand up. Fucking hilarious. It was very weird though. Like it it was uh. You could tell it came from, like, a not very mentally healthy place. Mm. It's very strange. It's it, like it was it was structured very strange, but it was very good. It was really funny. Very cool. Uh, what do you say we get into our topic of the show? Um, Let's do it. Um... So as everyone who has listened to this podcast will note, I am a pretentious film kid uh, and I love movies and TV more than almost anything. Um, somewhere near the top of the list of things that I love is video games. And I've had arguments before and I'm sure we're about to have them again about how storytelling between the two mediums differ. Uh, while I'm not the only one who feels this way, the two mediums draw from one another over and over. And the biggest way that this is done is adaptations. Of course, video games have adapted movies since the earliest eras of the art form, but game to movie adaptations have been a relatively new phenomenon. And in more recent years, more and more games have been receiving the adaptation treatment. And so... We've decided we want to tackle that subject for you today. Uh, I think that probably the first pl 
place to really kind of start is talking about the history. Um, and so I was looking into this. The first adaptation that I could find of any any sort of relevance was 1986, which was this Japanese Super Mario animated film subtitled uh, The Great Mission to Rescue Princess Peach. Uh, alongside those things, there were films that centered kind of around video games or, or use some sort of like video game reference, like, uh, Tron, you know, was about, it wasn't about arcade games, but you know, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, war games, which was 1983 also kind of centered around that as, as did the last Starfighter, which was 1984. And then in 1989, you get the wizard starring Fred Savage, which is, was literally just about Fred Savage going to a Nintendo tournament. <laughs> like, uh, so that sounds pretty rad. It's, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really the first, uh, major Hollywood release was 1993's super Mario brothers. And it was kind of critically and commercially panned. Uh, but that, really didn't stop Hollywood from trying this kind of like this sort of era had the first wave of adaptations, which was, uh, you know, double dragon and street fighter, both of which were live action in 1994. And then there were two animes based around fighters as well. Fatal fury and street fighter two. And then 1995, we had mortal Kombat, obviously, uh, and then the real trend starts in the early 2000s with Pokemon the movie in 1998, Laura Croft Tomb Raider in 2001, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within in 2001, and Resident Evil in 2002. Uh, and the first question I wanted to pose to you guys, uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Dylan. What is it that you think caused this adaptation in the late 90s, early 2000s? Just the overall boom in video games around that time. I mean, okay, for sure. It was really just the money that was there. The money that was there. Um, there was a lot of popular franchises, but overall, just during that time period, we had a lot of great, amazing games coming out on the PlayStation One. The what the N sixty four probably. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think it's really easy to capitalize on something that you see that's new and booming. And we had uh, movie adaptions of um, books for a long time, but video games was an untapped market. And what better time to capitalize on it than a time period that was absolutely blowing up the water with tons of great releases. Um, and it paid off in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Dylan, what, what about, uh, what about you? Wow. All right. You're going to just Dylan repeat just what I just ready? said. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <clears throat> um, I mean, no, honestly, the same, the same thing Dylan said. I mean, it was just the, um, it, the money that was there. I mean, all these popular franchises started really hitting strides in the nineties. Like, uh, the biggest one I can fucking think of is Pokemon. They would have been stupid not to make a fucking movie. Well, I mean, the anime came first, but they would have been stupid not to make a theatrical, you know, animated film for that. Be fucking money. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, honestly, that's that's probably where I I think that it, um, 
came from is the the uh, the box office. I mean, Tomb Raider was over two hundred million dollars. Resident Evil was over a hundred million dollars, and both of those had relatively small budgets. Um, and then, yeah, you take into a into account the the whole Pokemon craze of the of the late nineties. Like mm-hmm. Pokemon was fucking huge. I'm I'm honestly surprised it took as long as it did to get a live action Pokemon movie. I'm uh, pro- I would think that it probably has something to do with the fact that like Nintendo doesn't really license their stuff out almost at all. Yeah, there's that. I, I mean, I don't know that I ever want another one, but it was cool. Yeah, I'll take another yeah. Detective Pikachu. I liked it. I still have yet to watch it. <clears throat> I mean, you're not missing a lot, but uh, Sabrina and no. I had a good time. I, I think it's an enjoyable ride for sure. I, yeah. I thought the story, like the whole plot of the film, was super fucking predictable. And oh yeah, I, honestly, I think the biggest draw of it for me was <coughs> every Pokemon that was in that movie looked fantastic. One hundred percent. Like if like, that's how if they were real, that's what I would imagine them in my brain to look. Yep. Like. Getting to see Gengar and shit like that was really cool. That was like a childhood dream. Yeah, like the fucking Snorlax blocking traffic. <laughs> that was fucking great. Yeah. And, like, they had jobs and shit, so it was really cool yeah. to see in that aspect, too. The fucking Machamp helping an old lady across the street. Yeah. Yeah, it was, the, it was the little shit like that that made that movie enjoyable. But, like, the actual plot, not so much. Yeah, plot was kind of weak. You saw it coming, but I, I don't know. I, I had a good time with it. Like we saw it in theaters on release, and then we wound yeah, up we buying it on yeah we wound up buying it on Blu-ray and giving it that second um, watch through. And mm. somehow on the second watch through, we wound up liking it more than the first time. So that was good. I might have to do that. I might have to give it like a second watch at home because I took my yeah. You know I, what to expect now. I don't think Josie's seen it. That's weird. there you go. I don't know That's why. That's a good excuse to buy the game. Because I remember uh, I know when it came out, I took my nephew to see it. But I, I got you. Josie's ever watched it. That might be something we try. Yeah. Anyway, go on, Josh. No, Josh, no. you said Pokemon, so that's what yeah. Happens. That was that was my bad. I should. <laughs> you should have known better. <clears throat> I should have. Um, hey, you want to take a guess what I'm doing right now? I hope that it is not playing Pokemon. Oh, it's playing Pokemon. You motherfuckers! You don't um, how how the Doom movie did because it couldn't have been very good. Uh, the Doom movie, if I if I remember correctly, was really fucking bad. Um, hang on, eight point seven million. Yeah, and it had a today. wasn't he in it? <laughs> it had a budget of the Rock. Million. Yeah, or uh, Dwayne. Sorry. Oh, that's a yeah. Fucking Dwayne Johnson, whatever. Um, I actually forgot uh, that um, fucking Carl Urban was in that until I saw that the other day. Uh, he's the guy who played Dread in the Judge Dread, uh, or he played Judge Dread in Dread. Mm, gotcha. the, uh, but he was also in Star in the Star Trek movies and everything. Um, but yeah, so I mean, how do you guys feel about those early movies? I mean, my favorite early movie was Resident Evil. <laughs> I just had such a good time watching it. Um, you're talking that's that's acceptable, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Early. Okay, okay. Um, no, that was I didn't really. I don't. I don't count Pokemon, but 
because it wasn't based off the games. It just kind of stemmed its own universe from the games. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tomb Raider was fine. Like I had a good time watching it. But something about Resident Evil just felt like a really wild ride through the whole thing. It didn't, again, it did not follow the game's premise very well um, in the long run. But it created this really fun universe that if I go back and I have the collection of movies, I'm very curious to see what they do with the reboot, too. But um, it's it just spawned a really good time all from a video game. I don't know. I enjoyed it probably the most. I didn't watch Street Fighter or Double Dragon, or Fatal Fury, anything like that. I I didn't watch any of that, but um, Resident Evil and then Mortal Kombat were my favorite ones, I think. Just the first Mortal Kombat, second one got a little freaky, but the first one was really good to me. Oh, for sure. What do you think, Austin? So I can't speak on the Resident Evil movies because I've never seen them. Uh, Like not a single one? Nope, not a single one. I think I've seen like 10 minutes of one when I was in like middle school, just like flipping through channels. But damn, what is wrong with you? I just I've never uh, I've never introduced myself to Resident Evil, not for any particular reason. Like I'm not like I don't have anything against them. I, I, I don't know anything about them. I've just never got around to it. I, I mm. have Resident Evil 7 downloaded on my PS5. I haven't started it yet, though. <laughs> um, but as far as the early movies, I think they're fine. I think they're okay. Um, like I, I, I specifically for, and if either of you have seen the movie, you'll know exactly why it's the only scene I remember from the movie. Um, but I specifically remember the Chun Li fight from the animated Street Fighter movie, and no. I, I think that movie's. I think, I think it's good. Oh I think wait, he's pretty good. Did you see? Oh, I didn't see the animated one. I think I remember the live action one, but I don't remember the anime one. The one with Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I, I didn't even know there was a live yeah. action one. I, I had rem- no idea. Per- outside of him, I really remember Bison, but I don't remember who played him. I just know he's probably dead now, right? Didn't he die? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I think his name is Raul Garcia. Yeah. Um. Or Raul uh, Julia. He uh, he played the the dad in the Adams Family uh, movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I I think I think they're fine. I think they were a good starting point for what we have now, if you can say that. Because I have I I'm I'm going to be honest. I, I've seen one video game movie that I think is actually really good, and that's mm. pretty much it. Um, the rest of them, I just think up. Uh, that was fun for what it was, and like the biggest example I have for the early to mid two thousands is probably the Doom movie. I think the Doom movie is a fun ride until you finish it, and then you kind of sit there and you're like, "Wow, that fucking sucked. That was a bad <laughs> movie." But you know what? It, it was it was a fun ride while it was going. Um, yeah, I think they're fun. But what they're did you fun. say your favorite was? Uh, my favorite video game adaptation is straight the fuck up Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that movie's fucking. Fantastic. Oh, I've mm-hmm. about that. I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen great. it either. It's so Everyone good. says it's good though. It's on HBO Max. I think, maybe. I know I watched it on HBO Max, but I don't know if that was like a. I don't know if that was during the time last year around like May or June or July when they were like doing their whole stay at home promotion. They added a bunch of movies that had recently come out in theaters. Um, but no, that, that movie's fucking great. 
I think that's the best one that I've ever seen. Is that a okay. category that we're going to talk about? It's the best one I've ever seen because I got to think about that. Uh, I think. Um, oh wait, no, I have one, but it's not technically a video game, which sucks. I mean, it is, but it wasn't based off of a video. Okay, it's The Witcher. It's not based from the video game. It's just in the same universe. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of characteristics that you can see from the games inside of that rendition. Yes, it came from the books. I get it, but hands down, I mean, if yeah. it's just the best. Um, I, I keep meaning to start it. I just it's it. yep. so good. Just know that it time skips a lot, but it all makes sense in the end. Do I need to play any of the Witcher games to understand what No, because okay, cool. it does not take place in that universe. It's the book universe. Mm-hmm. So you're walking into something brand new, essentially. Wait, are the books and the games completely different? Yeah, actually, oh. 100%. There's, really? There's things that are drawn from it. There, you can Like referenced? <clears throat> yeah, but more so oh. they're their own thing. Cool. Well, that's shit. I, I've actually, you know, I sat down thinking today. I was like, fuck. I don't have anything to watch right now. I kind of want to start something. I might start it's that. so good. I might do that. And I think season two is wrapped. Yeah. I remember seeing something about that the other yeah. day, actually. So that's exciting. Well, that's my favorite. Josh, what would be yours? Um, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but Castlevania. Okay. Uh, yeah, oh, it's, it's definitely the I Castlevania I, anime. I mean, I kind of like Assassin's Creed. <laughs> The movie. I'm I liked would. it up until like the halfway point. And then it kind of went downhill for me. I thought the movie was pretty cool. I don't know. I forgot to buy it. I need to own that. I don't have it. Anyway. <laughs> all right. We're just derailing Josh's entire Oh. Movie. Well, Sabrina just brought up another good point. The World of Warcraft movie was kind of decent, too. I've actually heard that that actually really was not bad at all. Yeah, that was pretty spot on, actually. I never no, watched I it. It was. I said World of Warcraft. It's just called Warcraft because it takes place before all that shit. So that was my bad. Someone out there just had a stroke. But honestly, by someone I mean one of the two and a half listeners we get. But it's. Hey, we're I don't, up to five now. We're doing good. Oh, good. But five. see, that's two outside of us. I, I don't listen to this. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because I listen to it enough for the both of you. <laughs> Um, hey, we had a topic, right? We did have a topic. So uh, this is where I think we're probably going to get mad at one another. Um, I'm already mad at you. Uh, I'm, you're always mad at me. Let's be honest. Yep. Uh, so the question I want to throw out first is what are the differences in to, to you guys uh, in how the two mediums tell their stories? And I'll, I'll lead it off with me I think that the key difference between the two is the sort of uh, push and pull, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this, but passive versus interactive. Uh, and it kind of brings me to the Miyamoto quote that says, I think that this is a like direct quote. All right. I think that part of the problem with translating games to movies is that the structure of what makes a game good is very different from the structure of what makes a movie good. 
Movies are a much more passive medium where the movie itself is telling a story and you as the viewer are relaxing and taking that in passively. Whereas video games are a much more active medium where you are playing along with the story. I think that video games as a whole have a very simple flow in terms of what's going on in the game. We make that flow entertaining by implementing many different elements to the video game to keep the player entertained. Movies have much more complex stories or flow to them, but the elements that affect that flow are limited in number. So I think that because these surrounding elements in these two different mediums vary so greatly, when you fail to take that into account, then you run into problems. And I could not agree with that more. Um, I have a very big problem with video game adaptations because video games inherently require more of me than movies do. And that's really in how they choose to tell their stories, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something that we've talked about on, on this before is that that's the reason why I can't watch anything half the time is that I can't interact with it the way I can with the video game. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I think we've spoken about it a lot. It's I, I need to be doing something with my hands and then utilizing my brain to think about it um, or something like that. But it also helps when you can get truly immersed inside of a video game. I can't do that inside of a movie um, whatsoever. I don't think I've ever been immersed inside of a movie. That's just not me. But I can walk around inside of Skyrim and feel like I'm truly playing as that Khajiit, you know, with dragons flying overhead. Or I can play World of Warcraft and get connected into the world itself um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really apply to games like Rocket League and Apex Legends, but the games that it does apply to are the games that you always hear us talking about. It's all the RPGs, um, Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. There's a level of immersion that is just not there inside of movies and never will be for me. And that's why, I, you know, we always talk about movies in this shit, but it's a fucking miracle when I have something to talk about because I was able to sit down and watch it. And generally it's a, it's a pretty good movie or show, or it's just something that's w almost wasteful, right? I'm not saying The Office is wasteful because it's a great, you know, time expenditure in my point of view, but it's like something that's 20 minutes long. I can watch an episode that I'm done and for like a week, right? That, that's, that's just how I do movies and TV shows. But you yep. put a video game in my hand and I'll play the shit for 12 hours straight, you know? So it, there's, there's that level, and I think that quote really... Um, echoes how a lot of us feel it's we love being invested and immersed in a world that we couldn't do just by watching a screen we have to be doing everything interacting choosing our dialogue creating the the paths that we level up through stuff like that it's it's very much more hands-on and easy to be ingrained in mm -hmm. for sure no i i agree with what both of you said wholeheartedly uh for me, it's like that's like that's part of the reason kind of the same thing with Dylan. That's why I don't really watch a whole lot of movies is like it, it's kind of hard for me to I, that's why I really don't ever go to a fucking theater unless it's a Marvel movie. And the only reason I even still watch those anymore is just because I've already watched all of them. I might as well keep fucking going. Um, but uh, like it, it's hard for me to kind of like really sit down and and get myself into a movie the same way that the same way that I can a video game um that shit that's why I really don't watch anything uh other than anime honestly 
uh, I just watch a lot of anime because I just fucking love anime. Um, but half the time I'm watching anime, it's background noise while I'm playing my Switch or, you know, doing something else. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with what both of you guys just said. Okay. And well, you thought we were going to fight about this. Uh, well, well, I mean, we're probably going to fight about this next question that I want to raise. Um, <clears throat> uh, My blood pressure can't handle it. Why do you think we should adapt video games? Um, and I'll I'll go ahead and state my position again first so then I can get this out of the way. I'm not really sure that we should. I can see that. I can understand that. Yeah, part. because, I mean, video game, I mean, they don't need to be adapted. Like I said, nowadays, like back in the early 2000s, like I said, it's an untapped market. But today you look and what success great, you know, what great success has come from adapting a video game generally is met with very poor responses. Um, I don't think the Uncharted movie is going to be great. Um, I think they just need to stop. Truly. I mean, there's always a level of excitement. And that's, I feel, would be the opposite or the other side of that um, answer spectrum would be there's you can always garnish a little bit of excitement that maybe just maybe this one's going to be good and you can get another side of the lore or mm-hmm. experience from a franchise that you truly love, which is what I think Detective Pikachu did very well. Yeah, um, for sure. It was like a different world from what yeah. we've seen from Pokemon before. So when you can do it like that, if you could create a video game adaption that takes place outside of this, the, this realm or spectrum that we already know, I think that's where you'll find your biggest successes. But if you're trying to adapt a video game story, it's very hard to watch that done because we've already played it and experienced it how it should be experienced. You can't really condense a 50-hour story into two hours and expect it to be good. So yeah. you have to do something very unique to the world that you're trying to build off of, and very few things can do that right. I think that's why Resident Evil did as well as it did, is because, yes, it was pulling aspects from the game, but it wasn't copy and pasted. They didn't try yeah. to make that a, you know a, a shot for shot of the the video game it's almost impossible to do that so what they did do it worked out what detective pikachu did worked out i know people hated assassin's creed but it wasn't what we normally expected no it's not desmond laying inside of the animus it's someone completely different giving us a different assassin that we've never seen using a different version of the animus which is super fucking cool because it you can see his body going through everything and it's it's one thing to lay down on a table and you know have these memories playing back to you that's not yeah. something that makes for great entertainment what's great entertainment is seeing this guy become an assassin and have the bleeding effect show through the machine that he's using i think it was a really you know fantastically done adaption of assassin's creed i'm a huge assassin's creed fan so of course when i went into it it's like should I be excited or is this just going to be another video game movie that's going to let me down? But I was excited in the end because it was a mm. different something that I had seen before. So why adapt video games? I don't think we should unless you take the video game name and then branch off into another side of this lore that we don't really know or haven't seen before. Yeah, I... 
I can understand your point of, of you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. Um, I can completely fucking get that. Uh, kind of like what you said in the Discord a couple weeks ago, like maybe, you know, we should stop trying to adapt anime into uh, live action movies. And, uh, I, I mean, surprisingly enough, I actually completely wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Um, but I said that. No, no, me. Josh. Oh, shit. I was, dude, you just gave me a whole chapter of my life I did not remember. <laughs> what no, the Josh. fuck? Okay. Um, and, and, to, and going back to what Dylan was talking about with Assassin's Creed, um, I, I think the whole thing with the animus, like, to me, that was the coolest part of the fucking movie. Because, right. Because, like, uh, I I play I used to be like a really big fan of Assassin's Creed. I I remember back in 2015 when me and Madison first got together, I sat down between the months of November and January and I played from Assassin's Creed 1 all the way until the end of Assassin's Creed Unity nonstop. Like I would play it nonstop when I had free time, finish it, immediately move on to the next one. And I think I kind of burnt myself out on Assassin's Creed. That's why I didn't see the movie in theaters. I waited till it came out on DVD cuz I was just like, eh, I just don't really fucking care anymore. Um, but to me playing those games and like, you know, them talking about the bleeding effect and then seeing what happened in the movie with their version of the animus, that, that to me made more sense than, than laying down in a table and, you know, reliving these memories and then just inherently having the abilities of your ancestors. But it makes more sense with the movie's version of the animus because it's almost like a muscle memory function. Right. And and that just to me that made that made way more fucking sense and I thought that was really fucking cool even though I was just kind of shitting on that movie like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um I don't think it's a bad movie. I I just personally kind of lost interest in it about halfway through. Um but I do think the movie had some really cool fucking ideas. And kind of, you know, going back to Dylan being a big fan of Assassin's Creed, that's that's one of my favorite things about video game adaptations is uh like i i've been a big fan of video games my entire life it's it's you know my favorite fucking hobby um i have franchises that i even if they're bad movies i would absolutely fucking love to see them uh adapted even if they're not great um it's kind of the same thing with the the netflix gundam film that's in development i i want it to be good i'm i'm hopeful it's going to be good because it's something that I grew up with, but, you know, at the end of the day, is it going to be? Probably not, but I'm still going to appreciate it for what it is. Um, like the the Uncharted movie that's in development with uh, Tom Holland. I don't. I personally don't give a shit about that franchise, but I know somebody out there is ridiculously fucking stoked to see that movie. Um, and I'm, I'm fucking hyped on the Mega Man movie that Dylan, that Dylan, that Disney is working on. Um... I don't think it's going to be very good, but I've been a huge fan of Mega Man my entire life, and I know that I'm going to be fucking ecstatic to see that shit uh, uh, brought to live action. And it's the same reason, although I do think the Sonic movie was very fucking good, but Sonic the Hedgehog was the first video game I ever played. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was a big deal for me to see that movie in a live action format, because I was like, this is fucking great and it's kind of the same thing uh as the assassin's creed movie it's not it's not taking you know sonic one two or three and and adapting it into a film it's it's taking its own spin it's its own complete universe uh uh i i I guess uh, do either of you have plans to see the movie before i explain what i'm talking about which what movie is it again Sonic the hedgehog no. No. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm gonna watch it, but it, I, okay. I'm sure it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. So, like, like this this movie's version of of Sonic, um, 
comes to Earth from a complete from a different universe. Uh, this movie's universe explains that there are rings that lead to countless worlds, and that's how Sonic goes. You know, that's how they kind of explain the game's version of zones is the rings that uh, take him to you know parallel worlds. And uh, like in this movie, Doctor Robotnik is is from Earth. He's not from. Uh, he had nothing to do with Sonic in, in his home world. And uh, it, it's kind of a different spin on on their story and their relationship, and I thought I think shit like that is really fucking cool. I also think Jim Carrey just fucking nailed that role. I think he was fucking perfect for that. But yeah, yeah, uh, okay. Um, well, I think that that uh, that kind of brings brings me to the next question, um, uh, and I'll I'll pose this to you first, Dylan. Uh, what makes a good video game adaptation? Uh, it's just echoing off of what I really just touched on. I wouldn't have touched on it so much if I would have read further into the <laughs> plan right there, but it's, it's taking what we know and building off of it and not trying to recreate it. Um, I think there's a lot of great potential video game universes out there waiting to be expanded on in terms of movies building around the lore. Um, I wholeheartedly one day expect there to be a Horizon Zero Dawn movie, and I think if they did it, it should be branched off inside the universe somehow, not necessarily following Aloy. Are they going to do that? No. They're going to absolutely capitalize off of Aloy's character and try to do that. But I believe that's coming. Um... I don't think there should have been a Borderlands movie. I am very worried for that. I think it's going to suck ass. Um, Kevin Hart as Roland is a fucking joke. So unless this is told from the (laughs) perspective of Handsome Jack, I sincerely doubt this is going to be, you know, kind of making fun of Roland or something like that. That's why he's fucking three foot tall Kevin Hart. Um, (laughs) I don't think that movie should have been ever created in terms of what they're doing now. Uh, It seems like they're going the wrong way. But there's a lot of universes out there that could truly be expanded on. Um, As much as I want to say the Elder Scrolls, I don't know how well that would work out. Because, I mean, there's just too much going on. But you can take something like Spyro, like how Disney's taking Mega Man, and kind of make this animated world. It doesn't have to be a live-action Spyro. That's fucking dumb. But it can be an animated world, and it can look good. And I think that would be good, not necessarily for people in our age group, but for a younger audience. And they could build off of that world type of thing. Um, Crash doesn't really speak that often, so you know it, or at all. So it doesn't really make sense for him to have his own universe the way Spyro would. But... Um, Sony has a lot of great IPs that I think they could build universe, like different universes off of. Um, I truly, I think that the last of us will be a good adaption. I know that they're still going with the Joel and Ellie storyline, but I feel like this one will be good. Um, days gone. I feel like they could build a universe around not following the story of days gone, but building a universe around that. So it all comes around back to, expanding off of the lore and not doing a copy paste version. Why do I think the last of us is going to be good? I'm not sure outside of the fact that I have a lot of faith in the actors and development crew behind it. Um, so we'll see on that one, but 
that's kind of the that's the it's it's the false logic in my sentence because I'm saying don't copy and paste something, but the one that I'm most excited for is one that's probably going to be copy and pasted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Austin? No, uh, I mean, uh, literally echoing what, what we were just saying for the last 20, 20 or so minutes. Um, I, th- I think what makes a good adaptation is not necessarily recreating, uh, recreating the source material, but rather expanding on the source material. Um, maybe from a side point of view or just, you know, a, a kind of different retelling that referencing the source material. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think shit like that would, would be uh, a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, for sure. I, I so what, <clears throat> where I think that some of my favorite uh, video game adaptations <clears throat> have come into play is that I feel like they take a sort of okay. Hang on, let me let me sidestep this. As a film person, right, one of the things that annoys the fuck out of me more than anything is bad remakes or uh, remakes in general are kind of a, a no go for me because I'm like, you already did it once. Why the fuck are you doing it again? But, uh, yeah, well that too. Yeah. Um, but the reason that that wears on me so hard is because I feel like with remakes, it is very simple. Here's how you do it. You take the basic premise of something, say, the, the basic premise of, say, Psycho, for instance, is a woman gets trapped in a hotel with a man who uh, has severe mommy issues, right? That's, that, that's more or less the basic premise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can easily, easily adapt that into something that is not... Gus Van Zant's 1999 remake, I think. I think that's the year it came out. But where they tell the movie fucking shot for shot, right? Or or you take a, a simple premise like a uh, a ghost story in a in a modern like s- suburb or whatever, like a suburban life with poltergeist, mm-hmm. and then you get a more or less are like completely by the numbers retelling with the 2016 poltergeist remake. Like <clears throat> no one thinks to take a, take the, the basic premise of the thing and, and fucking just take that and run with it and tell an original story with that thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's what a lot of video game adaptations have done with the exception of like, say resident evil. I love Resident Evil. I love that first movie. Um, the rest of them kind of start getting a little fucking crazy, and I, I kind of lose interest because I feel like they're a little boring. Uh, but the first one, it takes the premise of a corporation creating a virus that creates zombies and then tells a story ab- about that. Like, And I don't think that you necessarily... like. 
the the way that you make a good video game adaptation is by he- adhering to good movie making principles. It has to have a, like <clears throat> a good script. It has to have good camera work. It has to have good blocking. It has to have good editing. It has to have good acting. <clears throat> if you can make a good film and then just take the premise of a video game, like I would never want to see a Metal Gear Solid that is a remake of that first game. Mm -hmm. I would never want to see that. What I would want to see is a sort of, um, like, a. I don't, I don't want to say I'm trying to like a spy thriller, I guess where a guy has to sneak on an Island to stop a nuclear weapon from being launched. Like that's what I want to see. I don't want to see him going through and fighting psycho mantis or, or fighting Revolver Ocelot and yeah. fighting the Cyborg Ninja. And like, I, I don't want to, I don't want it to just go plot for plot, beat for beat sort of thing. Like, take the premise, make me a good script, and then build on that with good fucking filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how things succeed, which will g- get into the question that I'm about to raise, which is what are some good examples, but that's what Castlevania does to me. And uh, I I think part of the reason that Castlevania is so good is because it's not really live action. It's more anime or animation and animation allows you to do things that like live action doesn't. Um, But it just takes like the sort of premise of Castlevania right where people are fighting vampires like a a family of vampire hunters fight vampires sort of thing and tells a fairly unique story i mean it it kind of follows a lot of what is happening in like castlevania 3 um and even has some some tinges of uh symphony of, of the night but for the most part it's it's a fairly original story and it has really good characters and has really good voice acting and lots of awesome action. And like, I think Castlevania for me is the ideal video game adaptation because it does everything that I want it to do. It is good filmmaking. It is good characters. It is, it is good. Like story. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you've already thrown out Sonic. Uh, Austin, is there anything else that you can think of? Like any other movies that come off the top of your head? Uh, I'm trying to think, man. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I guess while I did, I mean, I did lose interest in the movie kind of halfway through, but I definitely don't think the Assassin's Creed movie was, was a bad movie. I, I mean, I thought it was. Even though I lost interest in it, I, I still think overall it was it, it was a solid attempt for sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, man. Other than Sonic the Hedgehog and you know Detective Pikachu, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I have anything else really worth worth talking about as far as that goes. I don't think I don't think I've seen another video game movie that's real or video game adaptation. Uh, that's really just fucking floored me. Yeah. Um, Dylan, what about you? Um, no, I talked about all of them. It's, I think Detective Pikachu is a great example. I think what Resident Evil, Assassin's Creed, and Warcraft did, I think those were all fine. Um, 
I never really got into Castlevania, so I can't speak on it. But all the ones that I like do what we talked about, and that's just either good source material or not taking the video game shot for shot for the story that it provided, I guess. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, let's... Um, I, I really thought that we would argue more about this. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, are there are there any, like, video game adaptations that you guys are, like, like relatively excited about that are, like, in development? Because I'm, like, reading through a list right now, and while there are some really fucking stupid ideas, uh, I, I think there's some pretty cool ones in here, too. Um... Like, I figured me, you would be stoked about the Metal Gear Solid. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm uh, not. It's also kind of hard to be excited about something that literally has zero information. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so I, I think of stuff like um, there's a untitled Yakuza uh, film in the works mm-hmm. and I think that that could be cool because literally you don't have to do anything other than set a new uh, story in the sort of Yakuza um, like world and franchise yeah. if that makes sense for sure um, I think that there are some other things that you could do um, like uh I think you could probably get away with, I don't know, like, uh, like I, I see here that they have a just cause film in, in production. Yeah. I, I think that could potentially be cool. Cause just cause doesn't really have a story so much as it has like a, a feel and everything. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, there's nothing that, stands out to me as something that I am like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there are some really fucking stupid movies on this list. Yeah. Like a Minecraft movie? Why? Why? Yeah, what? I saw that too. For what? Uh, a cyberpunk anime sounds pretty tight, honestly. I think that guy... Yeah, well, and that's, a, that's another one that you don't have to necessarily, I, I think, do anything with. Mm-hmm. Like... um like you could get away with doing something like just setting it in that universe and telling a completely different story. Yeah. It doesn't have to have anything to do with like Johnny silver hands. It doesn't have to do with like samurais or anything like that. Yeah. Like any of that stuff, yeah. it could just strictly be a new story set in that universe. Damn. But there's a Call of Duty. There's two Call of Duty movies in development. They've already, they're already developing the sequel. Why? How does that even work? I don't understand. Oh man, Fallout sounds pretty cool. I, I mean, I, y'all, you you know me. I'd be super fucking down for a Fallout movie. Yeah, I bet you would. Apparently, it will be an original story, which is cool. Uh, Gears of War. I've never really cared about Gears of War. Halo would be cool because I'm pretty sure a Halo movie has been in development since like 2003. I know there was a canceled movie that was in development back in like 2007, 2008 that got canceled. Um, Yeah, it was supposed to be done by uh, Neil 
Blomkamp, I think. Yeah. Mass Effect would be cool. I feel like if... There he is. He's back with a muted mic. Uh, no, you left, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, <clears throat> uh, we'll cut all that out. But uh, the last thing I wanted to do before we moved on... Um, was, uh, I wanted to bring up some comments that we got from our patrons, uh, and, uh, you can actually get your comments read on air by going over to patreon.com slash culture bop. And, uh, so yeah, if you, uh, go over there and subscribe at the $2, uh, level or higher, um, on Patreon, you get to have your comments, questions, thoughts, and concerns read on the air. Uh, Science Us Gaming uh, wrote in and had said, For me, the Sonic movie did a good representation of who his character is, and Detective Pikachu was a pretty alright movie, which says a lot when video game adaptations don't do very well. I feel like the poor reception of video games movies should be addressed, but on a positive note, also look into why video game adaptations are starting to rise. So we kind of, kind of uh, did that a little bit, I think, uh, I mean, we talked about it with the the one from the '90s and stuff. I think that probably the reason that it's it it is where it is now is because there have been successful ones done, right? Like people are seeing that you can make money off of of uh, um, video game movies. Like mm-hmm. for instance, Tomb Raider had a budget of somewhere between ninety and one hundred and six million. It made two hundred seventy four million, so it doubled its production. Um, you take a look at Rampage, which is maybe unfair because, you know, it had the rock in it, but it had a budget of somewhere between 120 million and 140 million made 428 million. Like you take a look at even fucking Sonic, which had a budget of somewhere between 85 and 90 million and made 319 I mean, I, I really think that it comes down to that. People are seeing that you can make money and um, don't have to put in a significant amount and you get something in return. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, but uh, w- we also kind of touched on uh, his other one. Um, uh about the poor reception of video games. I think it's just because the, most of those movies have been bad. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that if you take a look or, and we don't even have to necessarily take a look into like the, um, uh, like animated stuff because I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some good animated stuff, but like take a look at like fucking, you know, Hitman or Max Payne, or I don't know if you guys even knew this, but there was a fucking far cry movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can take a look at any of those, uh, and, and they barely grossed anything and they were panned like both commercially and, uh, and critically. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's what I think it comes down to mostly, yeah, but sure. uh, Justin Ruiz, Ruiz uh, wrote in and he said, does edge of tomorrow count? Ha ha. 
very funny, Justin. Uh, but, um, yeah, right. Uh, that movie is awesome. And also call it by its real name. Oh, no, wait, that is its real name. Wow. I'm an idiot. I am an idiot. You're trying to talk shit. Yeah. Yeah. The play, uh, what is it? Live, die, repeat. Fucking stupid renaming. Nope. Goddamn awful name. Uh, but anyway, uh, he said, I think we're seeing more of this due to the positive reception and success of actual video game franchises, which I think is what we kind of touched on. Uh, and then our good friend, Tawny wrote in, uh, and said, so a good adaptation for me recognizes every aspect of the IP they are adapting. Like Lord Croft with Angelina Jolie. That was a fun action romp. The set pieces were great. The action was shot beautifully and it didn't take itself too seriously. And I think he nails it right there. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, video game adaptations need to be able to keep the sort of uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Keep the sort of um, like tone and and like uh, like what makes that that game special and make it into something that is enjoyable. Like it needs to keep the core of what makes like again. We'll take his example. We it needs to take a the core of what makes Tomb Raider special, which is just the complete silliness of it. Which I mean, it Tomb Raider is more or less Indiana Jones with uh, with Laura Croft, right? Yeah. So it's taking those adventure serials and like repurposing them as a video game. So you should probably make like a fun action serial. I don't know. Uh, Lucky Charms is a fun serial. It's a fun serial. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Uh, well, that out of the way, let's get into what we've been playing. Um, I've been playing some Resident Evil Village, uh, but moving has taken up a lot of my time, so I haven't gotten much further, so I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. Um, The game's beautiful. The action is real good, and the campiness is pure throwback to old Resident Evil. I kind of love it. Um, I'll have some real thoughts when I've finished it, which should hopefully be by the time that we record again uh but we'll see cool uh austin what is uh oh cyber sleuth never mind yeah you've been finally finishing that 100 the complete edition i finished both games unlocked all digimon on did all dlc did all post game blah 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 and after all the grinding that i've done in the last year and a half um i personally I don't think this clock is accurate because it can't be. It, there's just no fucking way. Um, but according to the game, my playtime is 955 hours and 41 minutes. Um, I genuinely don't know how that's possible. I don't think that that game counts accurately at all. Um, I would say probably more in the ballpark of like three to 400, but definitely not f- almost 1,000. Um, but this game is great. I think this game is really good i think uh it's it's almost after finishing both games and having like a complete thought uh opinion on them it's it's almost like pokemon and persona had a baby and that baby wore a digimon costume for halloween 
<laughs> that's that's kind of what these games feel like. Uh, they draw a lot from both of those franchises, but then give you know its own Digimon twist on it. Um, and I, I I think they're great. I think they're they're love letters to people who you know adored the series as a child because these games are not fucking meant for children. Um, they get very fucking dark, especially towards the late game. Uh, Hacker's memory is literally all about one of the main characters slowly dying from a degenerative brain disease. Um, but eh, they're they're good. I, I'm already I already started a, a new game plus playthrough. They're they're so good. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, that's literally all I've done. I, I I had Mass Effect on here, but I was like, look, I. I thought to myself i was like look i played mass effect for like a total of 45 minutes in the last week i'm not going to talk about that at all well to be fair mm. you said mass effect and then you took that off and then you I said i've played literally nothing and then you took that off <coughs> and now we have cyber sleuth because i i didn't really want to talk about cyber sleuth at first because i was like i'm already talking about the tcg and that's that's two things in the same franchise i don't really want to do that but then I was like, it is genuinely all I've done. So, Whatever. Well, we care about what you've been doing, so be honest. No, you don't. Shut up. I do. Go on. Talk about Biomutant, because I really want to hear about that game. I was really... All right, so Biomutant is <laughs> a game that I've been looking forward to for a hot minute. Um, so either of you know anything about it? Um, uh, I know that it's like a kung fu game with like a, say that. Like a panda-looking guy. Okay. Well, that's at best completely wrong, but yes. Okay. <laughs> so, wow. I, we got a lot of ground to cover. Okay, so it's developed by Experiment 101, which I don't really know a lot about, and I didn't care to know, but it's... I think this is their first game. Exactly, and I think it's like 20 people. Um, this is also um, published by THQ Nordic. You guys know those guys, right? Yes, they own everything. They own everything in the whole entire world, even Disney. So that's why I'm playing as a panda. So anyway, I saw this game many moons ago. It was during, I think, one of the past E3s. I forget which one it was. Um, But it looked fantastic. It looked very unique. Um, It looked like essentially what what happens to animals after humans are gone from, I guess radioactive waste um, or just oh. anything of the sort um, because they, we overpolluted the world and we had to find a way to go. So this happens um, eons down the line where animals have now ascended to kind of reclaim the world. And then now because of the radioactivity, they've also advanced their um, they're bipeds. They can use swords. They can shoot guns. They can throw boomerangs. There's all this type of shit. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so that's just a really vague description of what the game is. I think you should at least check it out if you haven't seen it because it's a very cool premise. But there's a lot of pushback from reviews right now with how the game was presented or how it presents itself. And I have a lot of issues with it too. This is a game, like I said, that I've been very excited for, and I've had friends that are excited for it, but upon playing it, we're left feeling a little empty. And as you're playing, so I'll just start with one of the core, core things of the game. As you're playing, this is an open world game, but there's actually a narrator that's essentially talking 
you through the game. And the characters that you find within the game don't necessarily speak English. They speak whatever the fuck animal language they're speaking. So it's the game is narrated by like an ever-present voice, and um, it'll communicate what the inhabitants of the world are saying to you as they don't really speak any kind of traditional language whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it can kind of drudge on as like the NPC has to speak their sentence then the narrator has to translate that sentence and then you can choose your dialogue option, which doesn't necessarily impact Jack's shit as far as I've seen. Um, it's just you can choose a good answer or a bad answer, it feels like sometimes. Um, but there's not really a physical manifestation of a narrator in the game, so I kind of chose... You have like this little grasshopper mechanic thing that travels along with you imagine like a mechanical Jiminy Cricket almost and then it's just something that you can utilize later on in the game but I kind of made that the narrator in my head it just makes it much better than some random um, David Attenborough sounding shit happening it sounds like National Geographic is literally narrating over you playing this goddamn animal game it gets a little annoying (laughs) Um, but the cool thing is that you can turn that off I don't know if they had the foresight to do that or what but you can tone it down it starts at 50 percent. you can increment you can change it mine's at zero it's stupid you can still get it when you need to but you don't like literally i'll be running through the world and i'll hear something like it is getting dark and i'm like oh all right i could tell that by the setting fucking sun but thanks for letting me know um it, it gets really really redundant but sometimes in the dialogue choices you're presented with a light side option and a dark side option and it's uh, like you're, it's a, just an internal consciousness based off the choices you make. And I genuinely do not feel like it impacts the game whatsoever outside of the skill trees that you can choose from. You have abilities that you need X amount of points in light to utilize, and you have uh, abilities that you need X amount of points in dark to utilize. And that's really it so far. I don't see myself becoming any more pure or light like you might in fable this is just kind of there and i will have to do a new game plus playthrough to find out what exactly it's doing um, because as of right now i have no idea mm-hmm. but the combat is something else entirely because it's at first it's really stale um and f- on top of that there's no lock-on mechanic so this is an open world combat game so your traditional lock-on mechanics aren't there like you would expect from, you know, Kingdom Hearts or even Fable, once again. Um, You essentially... I'm playing with a controller. I tried it on keyboard and mouse. Fucking hate it. So back to a controller I went, but as you're, like, looking around and throwing your attacks at these different enemies, that's the enemy that you temporarily lock onto, but you're never, like, stuck on that one. You're, you just kind of have to stay focused on it if you want to continue to attack it. And there's generally four to f- six enemies at a time that you're attacking in between. So it can be a little frustrating. But once you get the hang of it, it's not so bad. Um, it almost, what I just said to a seasoned player might sound a little pedantic because it's just a matter of overcoming an in-game mechanic. And I get that, but it would have been nice to have a lock-on feature. But once you begin to kind of traverse the game's levels in terms of in-game leveling system and you open up more combat abilities, it becomes a little more fun. Um, You can branch off into different paths. Josh wasn't entirely incorrect when he said it's like a kung fu game. It kind of is. 
Uh, but it's melee based in terms that you can go unarmed, I guess, but there's weapons that you can find and utilize in the world and they're crafted from scrap. Essentially, they're not like katanas and broadswords. These are weapons that have been crafted from what was left from our world. So that's kind of cool in itself. I'll get into the crafting in a little bit, but the combat, once you decide to delve into these, not necessarily skill trees, but just different paths you can take, it opens up a little bit and the combat becomes more fun. You can learn combos and stuff like that, that can open up what you, it's so the type of martial arts that Josh is talking about in the game, it's called Wungafu. Uh, and there is like a super version of that. And that's when you get like these godlike powers for a little bit. So combat becomes more intuitive as you play the game and just kind of delve into the different skill trees and learn the combos, but it's really stale at first, and I hate the no-lock-on mechanic. Um, But overall, like, as you're exploring the world, you'll find, like, different kinds of puzzles. And every single puzzle I've come across is almost literally the exact same thing. It's spin a set of somethings to match only one of two colors to correspond with the other. And I have never once struggled to put two and two together, literally. Um, They're almost laughably easy and provide no satisfaction when you complete it because I think a five-year-old could do those no problem whatsoever. Um, It's very basic, and I've wish that they would have put a little more creativity behind it, which really goes with the whole entire game itself. Um, There could have been a little more creativity there. So the puzzles are nothing like you would find in Breath of the Wild, which is what this game feels like. It feels like the game tried to combine Horizon Zero Dawn and Breath of the Wild. And I think they certainly nail parts of that, but it's lacking in a lot of departments. But what it does right is pretty great. The art style coupled with an expansive landscape that you can traverse really drives you to explore and visit every nook and cranny. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, you find a vast world filled with solidarity and emptiness. It's not alive like you would want it to be. It's even Breath of the Wild, though there wasn't really a lot going on in the world, it still feels alive. This game really doesn't. You might come across some... um, pilgrims or something that you can speak to but generally it's like them saying yo what's up get out my way and then i mean not literally but it's like a one sentence thing that you can't even respond to other than i've got to go there's no connectivity with the world whatsoever and the towns you come across are it's kind of the same you got a few vendors in there and you got some places that there's there's these characters (coughs) that you can talk to that you might have to persuade to give them to get you to a new location, like a secret place. But literally you just have to click. You can trust me and it'll literally persuade them. I've never had one issue with persuading anyone to get some kind of stranger location. So it just feels weak and empty and like you don't have enough of a challenge or that you don't have to invest anything into the world for them to just give everything to you. Um, It's still cool when you find good loot and everything that you can craft with, but, I mean, everything's almost being handed to you on a silver platter. But the crafting, while slow to start, has become a lot more fun the further I progress into the game. And um, while in the early game, I would often find items that would outclass what I made pretty easily. Like, I could make a sword, but then 
I would find something better to just use almost immediately after. So that sucked. But once I started finding better crafting material, I began to create like really fun and then impressive weapons over time. And this is truly one of the game's strong points. Um, I believe simply due to how fun it is and all the possibilities that can be created in both weapons and armor. And I think it's something that truly drives me personally in the game just because I want to see what's possible. Like I have really cool melee weapons right now that I just crafted. I don't even know what the fuck they truly are, but it just looks cool because it comes from like scrap metal and shit that you find throughout the world. Mm -hmm. But the level of detail in the game is something that's pretty cool. And it's something that shines as well. Um, Like I will be first off, I don't think this game is very well optimized because it's making my 3080 like not even my 30 just the whole entire rig like scream with the fans at some point (laughs) i can play cyberpunk and i will never hear my fans kick into overdrive but there was one time i was standing above a lake like high up on a cliff and the world was just kind of you know it was pretty far generated i'm not gonna lie but all of a sudden, I was overlooking this huge entire expanse, and all of a sudden, I hear my computer just go like, zzzz. I was like, what the fuck is it doing? Like, I've never heard my computer do that. So I don't know how well optimized it is, but um, the detail that I found upon diving into that lake was crazy because you're an animal. So your fur got immediately wet, and then like your ears and stuff, they weren't perky anymore. They were kind of slicked back. But the more time you spent outside of the water, you slowly began to dry and then your ears would slowly start to come up. So it does like great things with little bits of detail like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we don't do the whole like out of 10 system, but as much as I had negative to say about the game, it's still kind of fun um, to explore and dive into that combat and crafting system the world feels empty, but I'm kind of just playing it to see what's possible within the game. And while I do not think anyone should pay $60 for it, it's, it's like a $30 game um, for now. I know they're working on patches. They've communicated that and everything. And I, I would give it about a 6 out of 10. That's not a bad score. That's still saying that it's an okay game. But it has a long way to go to feel any kind of any kind of greatness. I think it has potential to be great. And for this, that being their first game out of a 20 man studio, I think they did okay, but they have a lot to work on to make it what I thought it would be when I first saw it two years ago. Hmm. Mm. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, I, it looks, it looks cool. And everything that you said is, I mean, I don't know. It might be worth checking out. I'll probably check into it as soon as it hits that $40 mark. Yeah, it needs to go on sale. That's what I was telling Dion. Dion was also super excited about it. And then he asked me what I thought. I told him yesterday and he was like, yeah, that's the most disappointing thing I've ever heard. Because a lot (laughs) of people were excited for it, but it's just so weak at some points, man. It sucks, but... Wait for Maybe it to get a, it. They might fix it, and the Steam Summer Sale is right around the corner, and I'm sure there's a ton of sales going to happen. Oh, and it might go to Game Pass. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it does, that's a, that's a great way for people oh, to try be- it and not waste any money whatsoever. Yeah, so that's an option, yeah. too. I need to renew yeah. my Game Pass. I let that shit run out because I just stopped ever playing anything on it, and I saw that they added the uh, they added the Destroy All Humans remake, and I really wanted to play that. So. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even see that. I play FIFA and Forza. That's it. 
<laughs> Might hop back yeah. on that sometime soon. All right. Um, let's get our picks of the week and get out of here. Uh, I'll start. My pick of the week is a video from the channel Nexpo. Um, I really, it's a, it's the, the channel in general, but, um, this video that I've pointed out is called investigating mysterious encounters from rando Nautica. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the whole rando Nautica stuff going on, um, last year, I I, I guess, but it was like a TikTok trend. Um, and people were saying like weird shit happened to them while they were, you know, doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Kayla t- like showing me like Instagram uh, things and like Twitter feeds and shit. And uh, some of it was pretty cool. But this basically is like a sort of like look into that. And the whole channel for Nexpo is built around like uncovering weird shit that happens on the internet sort of thing. Uh, but it really goes into, into some detail. Like they, there's even like a sort of like experiment at the end of the video to deter, kind of determine how the Rando Nautica app even operates. Um, and it's, it's really cool. I, uh, I really like this video. It actually clued me into something that I didn't even really know had happened. Uh, and it's a fun little watch. So go check it out. Do you ever try the Rando Nautica? I have not. Uh, and I just don't like going to weird places like that could potentially have me with like no cell service or stuff like that. So I'm scared to, to try it. Not because I'm afraid anything weird would happen, but more because I don't want to like get stranded in the fucking wilderness (laughs) with no goddamn self service and not be able to find my way back to society. Do I'm scared because of the weird shit. Yeah. Do they mention in that video anything about like similarities between that and Pokemon Go? Uh, no, but that's interesting. Yeah, because that was it's. I don't know. The whole thing's weird to me, but Pokemon Go kind of drives you to do similar shit and get yourself into kind of some sketchy situations sometimes just because you want to spend that Pokestop. Um, wasn't there yeah. uh, the year Pokemon Go came out? Wasn't there a kid who uh, got killed? Because he, he, he like wandered into somebody's yard because there was like a Pokemon like around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wandered into somebody's yard and it was like an old dude and he came out and he fucking shot him with a shotgun. Yeah, it was something bad. Like, oh, goddamn. Yeah, and then they had to put the warning like, do not trespass while playing Pokemon yeah. Go. Stuff like that. It's messed up, man. But that's, I don't know. That's just, it sounds really cool. This is one, of, and I'm not saying this, but you just know me. I don't watch it, but this is one of those recommendations I might actually watch. Yeah, it's it's worth it. I think it's only like fifteen or twenty minutes. I watched the the Randonautica video, and it was enough for me to never fucking use that app ever. <laughs> I'm fucking good. There, I, I don't know that I believe a lot of that. Like, I'm sure somebody on TikTok made it, and then made a story about it, and then somebody else was like, "Oh well, they got a lot of attention. I'm gonna do the same thing." Um, but. In the off chance that there are people running up on dead bodies because of that app, yo, I'm fucking good. Yeah. Oh, I don't, you can have <laughs> that shit. I don't want no part of that. I Because I, I looked it up. I, I started digging through Reddit, and I found this super crazy fucking Reddit conspiracy theory about Randonautica 
that uh, there, there's a person who like hacks their servers or whatever. And uh, that all of the coordinates it gives you, they're not randomly generated. They're actually pre-generated and just pulled from a list. And somebody is able to hack these servers and get these coordinates, and they're just dropping off dead bodies or just going there and killing people, like, for people to go find. And I was like, the fucked up part about that is that's plausible. It is plausible to see because this day and age, we don't have serial killers anymore. But if we did in the future start to garnish a few more like back in time this would be a great way for them to fucking kill people and oh dead ass and make it easy it's creepy i'm not saying i believe it it's just like the possibilities are out out there i'm sure we still have serial killers i mean we do but it's like instead of there being like 30 active back in the 70s yeah. now there's like two are there any active <laughs> serial killers right now i think there's two mm. i'm gonna look it up Okay, well, while you do that, go ahead and tell me about your pick of the week. Oh, yeah. Um, Pick of the week is an album called uh, Real by a band called The Word Alive. Uh, I think The Word Alive is one of the most underrated metalcore bands that has ever fucking existed. Um, I've seen them a good handful of times, at least five or six. Uh, I think they're fucking fantastic. (laughs) This album came out uh, at a really dark point in my life. It was when my dad passed away, and that album made me feel things, and it made me feel better. Um, Actually, which is super fucking odd coincidence, uh, I, I got the album like a couple... I picked up the album. My dad's death happened. And then literally two days after my dad's death, uh, like I had already bought tickets to go see them. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. That album made me feel things, and I think it's really good, and I think it's one of the, (laughs) absolutely one of the most underrated metalcore albums that exists. I'm sorry. It's just that when you were like, hmm, I'm going to look that up. Josh was like, yeah, cool. Fuck you. In your own time, let's go ahead and continue with the podcast. Like, he just (laughs) transitioned. (laughs) Josh was like, God, I just wish you guys would stop going off topic so we could be done. But this is a shorter episode than usual. Yeah, that's pretty short. Uh, well, it's clocking in at around two hours right now, so it's Wait, on par. Ten minutes because I was decapitated. Uh, we'll we'll cut like three. Okay. You can cut this too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, go ahead and tell me about your pick of the week. Dylan um, VHS collection is a it's like an indie rock synth pop type of type of band and they have a fantastic song called stranger I'll, they have just fantastic songs in general I recommend them as a whole but the song in particular is stranger and it's just a really good listen and it'll make you feel some things in a good way so check them out it's kind of fitting for the all the other songs I've been recommending recently so yeah. it's nice it makes you feel good Oh, cool, cool. I'll check it out. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Pop, Hunting Pixels, and the Culture Pop family of content. Culture Pop is available on Twitter at Culture underscore Pop, Instagram at Culture underscore Pop, on Facebook at The Culture Pop, and on YouTube where the new video will be going up. And I expect about two weeks. Um, it may take a little bit longer, but uh, it'll be going up there relatively soon. Uh, the script is 
more or less complete, and I am uh, about to start capturing footage for the edit and everything. So um, be on the lookout for that. Also, uh, I mean, I'll I'll talk about it at the end, but um, uh, patrons of Culture Bop will actually get the video two days early. Um, So... There is that. Um, hunting Pixels, this podcast, is available on Twitter at Pixels Hunting and on Instagram at Hunting underscore Pixels CB. I am on Twitter at the TheBebopMan182, on Instagram at TheBebopMan182, and on Twitch, where I will eventually be streaming again. Just have to find the time. Uh, at the underscore BebopMan. Uh, Dylan doesn't do anything, oh. so don't worry about following him on anything. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, no, you're not. I don't do fuck all. <laughs> and I don't plan to be. He, he just works. And I He's feel like every boy. time we do this shit and it's the end of a podcast, I'm pretty sure in the past two, I have said, guys, I'm not active on anything. Do not follow me. I've been getting more followers from that shit. <laughs> Before. And I feel like people are like, oh, he's just joking. He does shit or they're doing it because I told it's them funny. not to. No. But I've gotten more followers from this shit than any time other before. So, again, don't follow me. I don't produce content. That's not a joke. I'm well, now I'm going to now I'm going to unfollow and refollow on everything. Just to great. The notifications. Wow. Yep. Wow. OK. I'm do it once a day. You don't even read my shit. Don't even read my shit. What? What do don't, you mean? No, Josh, don't even read my fucking handles. Like, because then no one can do it. Oh. He's available on Twitter. Son at of a bitch. Disney, on Instagram at OMDissy and on Twitch at OMDissy. <laughs> I feel like uh, I also have is available. patience to meet every time I get a new follower, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go follow you on all my <laughs> Uh, Austin's available on Twitter at Big Papa Plays on Instagram at Big Papa Stevens underscore or at Big Papa Plays. He is twitching almost never at Big Papa Plays. It's been like three months. Yep, and he's on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. Because you said that, wait for some new followers, you'll get them. I'm I'm straight up just being blatantly fucking honest. I am more active on TikTok than anything else. I haven't even. I follow you. I haven't. Anyway, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. I'm. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Finally, if you're looking to support this podcast or any of the endeavors that we're undertaking as Culture Bop, which will um, eventually uh, include a website where we will be able to have like written reviews and stuff of that nature, um, then go to Patreon.com/slash/CultureBop and toss us a pledge, a couple bucks. It really would mean the world to us um, because it would allow us to eventually, hopefully, get more and better content out to you guys. Um, And on top of that, we're offering some pretty cool perks over there. Like uh, we were talking about earlier, at the $2 level, you get your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas read on the air. Uh, There's also the fact that patrons at the $5 and up level... Get all podcasts three days early. The videos will be going live two days early over there. Uh, And some other really, really cool things. So if you are so inclined, go check that out and consider supporting us. For sure. Um, 
And that is it. That is our show. Uh, Dylan, um, <laughs> he is ready ready to derail us again. Uh, Austin is ready to go play more Digimon, and I am ready to go to sleep. So until next time, goodbye.